You know why I'm so passionate about Music to Code By? Because it works. I'm still getting a steady stream of success stories from developers just like you who sail effortlessly through hours of coding. There's only one problem. They can't get enough. Well, not only are we up to track 13, but you can download them all in one shot for a new low price. The collection was 54 bucks just a little while ago, still only a little more than four bucks a track, but now you can get all 13 for only 39 bucks. That's only three bucks a track. Yeah, that's more like it. 325 minutes of pure bliss. Go get it now at collection.musictocodeby.net. .NET Rocks, episode 1354, with guest Dan Wallin. Recorded Monday, September 12th, 2016. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. We're here for another hour of good, good old, good old, good old, good old .NET. Net. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and stuff. And uh, a lot, probably a lot of HTML, CSS, JavaScript, because Dan Wallin is here. Man, uh, it's been an interesting week over here. I did you do you know I got back on my recumbent tricycle? And oh, wow. I'll pause for the gag because a fat guy on a tricycle is really funny if you think well, about it. But the, it was the two wheels in the back, right? Two wheels in the back. No, yeah. two wheels in the front, one in the back. And oh, okay. you, you sit down in it, recumbent style. And you've had it for a few years. Yeah. I first got this, I don't know, 10 years ago. Yeah. But it, it sat uh, fallow, as it will, in my garage for the last three and a half years. Because I moved to this place where we're on a hill where people drive like crazy. So I have to get it out and put it in the car and stuff. But what I decided to do is bring it downtown New London and let a bike shop tweak it up and tune it up and all that stuff. And then just keep it at the studio which is in in a flat expansive area so the first day i got on it i rode seven and a half miles and the second wow. day i rode almost nine miles and then that was only two days ago but i have the weekend i haven't had a chance to do it but i'm back on it again tomorrow that's cool dude i can't wait it's awesome that's fun so much fun anyway what have you been up to I have continuing to try and get my office fully assembled. Uh, I'm hoping by the time this show comes out, because it's now like the end of September. How long that, has it been? Uh, no, the it was the middle of November when the flood happened, man. So oh it's my. almost going to be a year. Wow. Yeah. Uh, 10 months. Wow. Do you remember when the fish tank burst? I mean, that's yeah. a long time ago. Yes. It's 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I do. It was, it was like 10 months. That's just what it takes. So right? I've, like, I've figured out that your house just doesn't like water. Yeah. Well, what yeah. house does like water? Let's, <laughs> let's think about that for a minute. Well, a house for a fish. I guess. You know? That was that fish house that screwed the place up the first time. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's get started here. Roll the music for Better Know Framework. Awesome. <laughs> All right, dude, what do you got? I got some stupid CSS tricks. <laughs> what makes them stupid? Uh, actually, nothing. They're pretty cool, but there's only a few of them. This is a blog post by Alan Chrissy. So if you go to 1354.pwop.me, you'll get to Alan Chrissy's blog. And this is pretty cool because it's just a few things, but it's all around centering and offsetting images and video. And it's just a few things like 
Easy vertical centering, CSS. And then there's example code on CodePen. Responsive offset images also, hmm. and centered background video. And this is the kind of stuff that drives you crazy as a developer who's not used to CSS and not used to the level of control, aka PITA factor, right. that you have to go through in order to do something that has been simple for years, centering. So simple, a center tag. Just use it. But of course, it doesn't work with modern browsers and, you know. You well, plus, I mean, especially when you talk about like centering the video. So, you've got something in the foreground and here you have this, this you know, video going on in the background. Like, we didn't used to do that with the right. web, man. Like, it's pretty awesome. It is pretty awesome. But it also begs the question, why does XAML have such an elegant solution to centering and yet CSS does not? I mean, do I really need... Eight, nine, ten CSS properties just to center something. Yeah, uh, you know CSS to me, it's like this is—it's not about elegance; it's about power. It's got all this capability. The challenge is just trying to figure it out. Power. It's, it's all about, about the power. It's about power now. You got too much power. <laughs> 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 Sorry. Right. Sorry, we had a we had a moment there. Yeah, we had a negative land moment. Well, anyway, um, I'd love to see what Dan Walleen thinks about all this stuff. And because, you know, he came from uh, the land of easy centering as well and then embraced the heartbreak, which is CSS. So, we'll, <laughs> we'll get his perspective on it. But uh, I wanted to just throw that out there. And also, shout out to Alan Chrissy. Great blog. And, and uh, thanks for putting that out there. Awesome, dude. Yeah, who's talking to us, Richard? Grabbed a comment off of Dan's last show. That was 11.95 we did back in September 2015. And oddly enough, we were talking about Angular and starting to explore containers. And I think this might be a re we're going to be digging into. Okay, a year later, what have you done? Uh, but Jamie had this awesome comment that I think is super relevant. We start talking about experienced developers trying to take this stuff they know forward to this new model. He says, uh, great show as always, guys. I'd love to touch on the remarks about a possible container image that includes SQL Server and the issues that presents around licensing. Yeah. Because, of course, you want to use SQL Server, right? Yeah. That's what you know. Yeah. It's always bothered me that SQL Server developers can't get up and running with a fully featured instance of SQL Server that purely is for the purposes of development, no questions asked. Yes, the licensing about that's always been a pain in the ass. Uh, sure, there's SQL Server Express, but that's not fully featured. It doesn't contain all the other stuff like integration services and so on. There's the SQL Server Local DB, but that's hobbled the same way that Express is, and nobody knows about it anyway. There's also the SQL Server Developer Edition, which <laughs> is fully featured, but that's got a paid-for license. Yeah. As Carl said on the show, I've no issue paying for software. The cost of the Developer Edition is minuscule anyway. Hey, it comes with an MSDN subscription. Mm. But if I have to get up my credit card just to spin up a container with SQL Server on it, then you've lost the benefit of containers. And moreover, you've lost me. Hmm. So here's the request to Microsoft. Give us a free, fully featured version of SQL Server. Maybe you call it the Community Edition that a developer could spin up on their desktop or in a container. No questions asked. I've long thought that Microsoft treats SQL Server developers as second class citizens compared to their app dev cousins. And this is a perfect example of that. So I thought there was some sort of free version of SQL Server that uh, you could just download and use, no questions asked. Well, there, there is now. You know, Jamie wrote that a year ago in September of 2015. But as of March 2016, they've now made the SQL Server Developer Edition just free, free. Ah. It's part of the, the Visual Studio Dev Essentials Pack. Nice. Yep. Things are better now. Obviously, they were listening to you, Jamie. Yeah. 
And I'm happy to send you a .NET Rocks mug. So a .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or via any of our social media because we publish every show to Facebook and Google+. And if you comment there, we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And definitely follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell. I'm at Carl Franklin. Send us a tweet. They're free. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you got to pay bandwidth, but come on. Effectively free. All right, let's bring back to the show Dan Walleen. Of course, Dan founded Walleen Consulting at uh, codewithdan.com, which specializes in JavaScript, Node.js, Angular, Docker, and .NET consulting, as well as on-site and online training solutions. He's a Microsoft Regional Director and has been awarded Microsoft's MVP and Google's GDE Award. He's also part of the Docker Captains Group. Dan speaks at conferences and user groups around the world and has written numerous articles and books on a variety of topics. Welcome back, Dan. Hey, always good to be back, guys. Always good to have you. What's new in Danland? Oh, you know, duh, get up, work. I'm actually, <laughs> you know, I tell you what's new. I'm actually trying to switch. I'm I'm a freaking night owl to the max, so I'm yeah. actually trying to switch it around. And okay. so, uh, I think I got up at six, like four times last week. That is a wow. new world record for me, by the way. AM. So I am AM, AM. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's amazing what giving up crack will do. It's really amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm actually trying to switch it around. And I'll tell you what, it, I, I kind of like it actually, but yeah. it's hard to go to bed early, you know? So that's what's new. That's the newest, newest for me. I find normally folks that once you've had children, you end up getting up early and you kind of can't undo that. Yeah. Well, you know what it is, is for years you've been getting up early, whether you've liked it or not because of your children. And now because of your children, you can sleep in, but it's kind of like, oh, wait, I can enjoy the morning and the sunrise by myself. Wow. That's awesome. Exactly. Well, I've always been the type I'll stay up till, you know, one thirty or two ish. But then I got to get up by seven and I, right. I've kind of been living on that. But, you know, now I'm trying to take it a whole hour earlier. So yeah. actually, there's a, it's a really good book. It's called Miracle Morning. I've been reading hmm. and it's just about specific steps to take in the morning to make your days go smoother. And uh, I'm sorry. Anyway, I've been trying it out. It's pretty good. So I know uh, my mentor, Ethan Weiner, wrote some of his best software by getting up at three o'clock in the morning and working for about five hours a day before everybody else, you know, started going crazy. And then we'd take cool. a nap in the afternoon, and uh, what could be better than that? Yeah, oh yeah, naps yeah. are where it's at. Naps are totally awesome. <laughs> Welcome to three old guys talk about naps. <laughs> <laughs> then you get the youngins on here still in the mode of, oh, I hate naps. <laughs> no, all these young kids are like, what the hell are they talking about now? Naps? <laughs> what? <laughs> How did we're like this three, happen? The three happen? grumpy old men. That's right. Oh, my God. I just watched that movie again. What a scream. Okay. <laughs> Enough of that. What's happening in Angular land, man? Well, um, moving along good. I'm, I'm hoping they still aren't announcing an official date as of today, but RC6 is out, and uh, the API is, from what I'm seeing, pretty stabilized now. Mm-hmm. So a lot of companies are starting to jump on uh, building their at least initial prototypes of the apps. And yeah. it's been a bunch we've been meeting with around the world that are jumping right on it. So it's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, this last time we talked to you, you were working on a workshop that you're doing uh, at Dev Intersection. And this year you're doing it again, right? Is it you and Papa and like the whole 
angular crowd there what's going on yeah so john and i'll be doing one at dev intersection it's a one day one um and we're actually doing a separate one in florida uh towards the beginning of october it's a two-day workshop but that one's just a stand standalone type thing yeah so yeah it's been a lot of demand um so it's good and how was the last one good I think in, in the spring show at Dev Intersection, I think we sold out your workshop like it was standing room only. Yeah, we, we usually do two and uh, one we because, you know, to do Angular 2, you really need to know ES6 and preferably ES6++, which right. is TypeScript in my mind. So we always do a one day TypeScript for folks that kind of need to get up to speed. And then we do a one day Angular 2. On this other one, it's called the Ultimate Angular 2 Workshop, this two-day one. It's going to be just two days of Angular. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of what we've been doing. So, it's been cool. Awesome. Uh, we also talked a little bit about uh, you were just getting started in Docker a year ago, the last show. Has it been a good year? I love Docker, man. Oh, wow. Um, I, you know, going back to that question at the beginning, you know, SQL Server is going to be running on Linux. Yeah. I just got emails. I'm... I'm not part of the privileged crowd on that because I'm not necessarily a, a database guy per se. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I keep getting the emails that saying, hey, we're getting closer, we're getting closer. And uh, while while there's already some images for like Windows Server 2016, you can do uh, Docker images. Um, I'm pretty excited about the opportunity to run it on an actual Linux VM because, you know, a lot of companies out there, while they a lot of them do use Windows Server, of course, there's arguably a lot more that are using various Linux servers. Right. So I think Microsoft's move to move that, you know, to the Linux world and the Windows world is going to be a pretty good move in the long run. And that'll give what, uh, who was it, Jamie or something like that asked the question earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that'll make it so you literally could just fire up a container, you know, right there and do your thing if you're not on a Windows server type scenario. So it's pretty cool stuff. And I'm hoping by the time the show comes out, Server 2016 is coming out, and that's sort of, that should round out Windows support for Docker. Mm -hmm. But for the work you've done the past year, is it largely Docker and Linux? Yeah, because, you know, Windows Server, well, it was on Tech Preview early, if that, a year ago. I don't even know if it was, it it probably was a Tech Preview, but... Yeah, it was a TP6 or something. Yeah, the the Docker command support wasn't all there at the time. Right. So, I pretty much, you know, mainly been doing, and the companies we've been working with are pretty much all at that point on Linux, just because of the status of server. But but once they get it supported for... uh, you know, 2016 is officially out. That's going to change everything for people that are running on those servers because, you know, now you can get these containers up and running extremely quickly. And, um, it's pretty awesome from, uh, you know, not only DevOps story, but also a developer story. Right. Just speed, responsiveness, easy to build, easy to run, you know, yep. co- consistent configuration. I've, I've always looked at these container earth things as, this is virtualization done with configuration as code in mind. It's it's right. what I love about it is the works on my machine, you know? Yes. <laughs> well, now there's no excuse. Yeah. <laughs> because I can give you the whole Docker setup and now I'll say works on my machine. And you say, it's not a working on my machine. And then the question is, well, were you running it locally or were you running actually with, with the Docker containers? Right. right. If you're running with the Docker containers, assuming everything's configured, you know, the same, which is pretty easy then it should be working the same. So if you're doing this, are you 
are you writing code in Node or are you using ASP.NET Core? Like, how do you go about the back end part of your, your Angular site? Yeah, totally depends. So, uh, some of the stuff we've been doing has, is, has a node backend for sure. Uh, yeah. but now that, you know, what was it? J- June 27th, I think was the ASP.NET Core official launch. Yep. And, uh, you know, that is, uh, just awesome that I love being able to say that, Hey, you can write your C sharp code now. I mean, you could do it before with mono, you know, kind of, but yeah. not really get the full backing of Microsoft, I guess you could say. Whereas now this is fully supported on Linux and you can do it on your Mac if you have it. You can do it on your Windows. And right. that's pretty awesome. Um, so with Angular, you know, given that a lot of folks, not just me, but a lot of folks are doing a lot with JavaScript nowadays to drive the UI part, um, being able to stand up a RESTful service kind of quickly and easily and not have to fight over where are we going to host this, right? I think is yeah. a, a really good selling point for a core. Yeah, cool. Now, how is how's the tooling experience been? Cuz I know back in June they shipped, quote, and I'm I'm doing air quotes on it on a talk show. <laughs> uh they shipped ASP.NET Core, but they've said point blank like the tooling's not ready and it would come later. We're hoping soon now, but has it been rough? Uh it's been smooth for the stuff I've done. Oh, yeah. Um I'm, I'll have to admit, I'm, I do work on a Mac sometimes as well as Windows. So right. on Mac, I'm just using, uh, generate, generator ASP.NET. It's a yeoman generator. Yeah. Right. And that'll basically scaffold out your initial project and, you know, give you a little bit more. So yeah, you're not going to get a lot of the, there's no visual feature in that world. Um, but you know, once you're writing your controllers and stuff, I don't really care. There is no visual in MVC once you get going. Yeah. Yeah. Now on windows, they do have, it's, I think it's preview two of the tooling. If I yes. remember right, yep. right now yep. as of today. So, uh, it's working pretty well. Uh, yeah, it doesn't have all the bells and whistles that from what I hear they're planning, but it's a, it's a really good start. And, and the cool thing is, even without that, I mean, you can absolutely still build the code. You're just going to have to maybe write more than, you know, maybe you were used to previously right. versus using some, you know, scaffolding tool or something like that. But scaffolding sort of the way to go, too. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you're going down the yeoman path. You could switch back ends pretty painlessly with this, right? You could just say, I'm going to do this as Node. No, I'll do it as C Sharp. You know, you sort of pick and choose what you want to do. It's just Angular on the front end. Well, and that's... You know, that's one of my big drivers for, I'm okay with, it's the right tool for the right job. I say that like a million times a day, I think, but you know, everybody, and you guys talk with so many people, you know how it is. You you get those people that get so locked in on one technology, like the one right way. Yeah. And you know, it just, it doesn't work that way. This is a theme today. You know, the last show that we recorded with Udi Dahan, uh, the, the mantra is it depends and, you know, that <laughs> exactly. seems to be the answer that smart guests give. It depends, comma, and here, here's what I mean, you know, in this situation, this, in that situation, that. And yep. that is the right answer. There are very few fundamentals in this world. Well, you know, go, go walk into your favorite shoe store tomorrow and uh, say, hey, I need the one size fits all shoe, please. Yeah. Nice. I, what <laughs> shoes should I buy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, like Decide my, my youngest son, he's... A, He's a size 15 now. So I don't think that's going to work. That's a big boy. My goodness. He's he's a big boy. But yeah, so getting back to the original um, 
kind of why Angular or Ember or Aurelia or, you know, whatever your front end framework of choice is. Right. Um, being able to stand up a different back end and literally switch that out without impacting really any of the front end code at all. Wow is pretty cool because you know that that means the interface is the same of course and security and stuff like that but mm-hmm. that's a pretty compelling thing and that's why i say right tool for the right job because um i just met with uh i can't say the name but anyway they're a big uh, military contracting company mm-hmm. and they last week they have uh a, one of the apps we were talking about is really heavy uh, you know, user input, line, you know, kind of typical line of business app. Right. And that's where I think some of the JavaScript frameworks really shine because I think we as developers tend to forget, and I know I'm guilty of this. We're so focused on, you know, look at my awesome architecture, look right. at my awesome integration between these technologies. And then my mom gets on and goes, you know, I really just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Because, and then you're like kind of bummed, right? Because you're like, yeah. but, but, but it's I spent, so pretty. You know, yeah, but look at the code. Can you fix my printer? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so anyway, getting back to this company, uh, one of the asks we were talking about was really heavy uh, line of business type. And I, you know, you, you got to be concerned about the user being productive and the UI is responsive to what they need. And, you know, they need to be able to one of the big things we want to be able to run the same one on mobile and, you know, stuff like that. Pretty typical things ne- these days. But then there was another thing they were talking about that is pretty heavy read only, right? Not a lot of user interaction at all. Yeah. And see, to me, that's where I go, well, yeah, you could do a spa for that, but. Right. You know, go to ESPN.com, go to CNN, go to whatever. Do you really care that you clicked on an article and it reloaded the whole page? Probably right, sure. not. Right. Well, and, and certainly it's an experience we've had with the Donna Rocks page. It's like when you click on an article, something like that, you want the link to, to share, right? To, to be able yep. to, to talk to other people about it. And that kind of lends itself to that should be a new page. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you can do deep linking with spas and still share links potentially if you do it right. But yeah, yeah, not to the extent of what you just talked about. And so, you know, it's right tool for the right job. I I hate when people get up and say, oh, you should always use, you know, Angular or you should always use MVC or it depends. Yeah. Yep. And some of it comes just down to what you're familiar with, too. I mean, we talked to Uncle Bob uh, a while ago, and uh, how long ago was that? Maybe th- four, a week, four or yeah. five shows ago. Yeah, and you know he was all about churn, which is being forced into by either ourselves or our bosses to spend more time learning the latest and greatest frameworks than we do actually learning the ones that we are using better and f- learning fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So in in some sense, if both Knockout and Angular do the same job and do it as just as well for a particular job, you're probably going to gravitate toward the one that uh, you're more familiar with. And that's the it depends is where uh, that's exactly what I'll ask is uh, Richard. Yes, about Node versus you know Core and yeah, you know could be Ruby on Rails. Sure. Well, I mean, first thing I'll do is say, well, what's your you know what's if you had to boil it down to what is your core development skill set for your team, not mm. just, you know, the manager, <laughs> yep. but the team, you know, what is it? And if they say, well, you know, we're really strong in C sharp, but we want to move to, you know, node. I, I just had a company do this, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, why? <laughs> what do you, what is it going to get you? 
Well, that's the thing. And if you already have the skills in C sharp and, you know, okay. So if, if now if they throw out, well, we need to run on Linux VMs. Okay. Well, look at core, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> it can do that with web API very easily and they have some cool new features in it. Um, versus if they tell me, you know, we're, we're awesome at JavaScript. You know, we know all the patterns. We're learning ES6. Maybe they even want to use TypeScript with it potentially because you can do that with Node, of course. Right. You know, then obviously it makes more sense, you know, that, to go to Node because then if I say, well, what about your C sharp? Oh, we haven't done C sharp. Well, then why are you considering core? Right. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think people get a little bit hung up, especially some of the less technical management sometimes that people, us developers deal with. They get a little bit hung up in the what's the hot, you know, topic of the day and, uh, well, we got to do this because everybody's doing it. Well, and, and it's sort of assumption of oh, this stuff's all the same too, right? I mean, there is some power to yeah. knowing more than one way to skin the cat, so to speak. But at the same time, it's like, if, especially when you think of a management level, if you want pure productivity, go with the stuff you know. Yep. Yep. I totally agree with you because if you don't, here's what happens. You get done and you create the biggest rat's nest of code ever invented. <laughs> You know, because mm-hmm. you didn't know what you didn't know. Well, I've, I've described it as, you know, every time you write an, uh, your first app in a new language, it's like that clutch in your first car. You didn't go very far and you made a lot of bad smells. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good analogy. <laughs> and you drove someone crazy sitting next to you. Oh, yeah. Boing, boing. You know what's funny about bunny hopping with a clutch? Once you know how to clutch, you can't bunny hop anymore. Yep. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it, and in some ways, that's very like programming too. Like this, some of those bad behaviors you had at the beginning of programming a particular tool. Once you get over them, you just wouldn't do that. It's it's almost repugnant. But they were very instructive at the time, weren't they? Yeah. There's no substitute for stalling on a hill. Right. No. <laughs> the ultimate stress. There you Especially go. when people are right behind you and the light just turned green. <laughs> yep. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is. Uh, It must be that happy time again. Yeah. It's time for my weekly trip to the drugstore for my mom. Oh, yeah? What do you get her every week? Depends. Oh, God, that's gross. (laughs) Nasty. What? It depends. Sometimes she wants nuts. Sometimes she wants (laughs) Q-tips. Is that how you're going to justify this? (laughs) It's been a nice show, guys. I'll catch you later. Good answer, Dad. Good answer. <laughs> it's actually time to give away a SyncFusion Essential Studio to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. With over 650 controls, SyncFusion's Essential Studio is the most comprehensive suite of components available for .NET and JavaScript with world-class diagrams, maps, and charts. Reduce your development time, save some money, and get the best support in the industry. These are just a few of the reasons over 800,000 people make SyncFusion a part of their daily dev process. And now individual developers and small teams can get access to every single control in SyncFusion's library for free. The community license also gives you access to SyncFusion's growing library of enterprise applications like Dashboard Platform and Big Data Platform that can help make sense of complex data. Support and updates are included too. It's a 10K value for free. Find out more and get started today at SyncFusion.com. So who's our winner, Carl? Today's winner is Sam Warwick. Ah, congratulations, Sam. Yeah. Golf clap for you, sir. 
Nice little golf clap for Sam. Yeah. Uh, Sam could be a ma'am too. We don't know. All we, we don't know. all we have is a name and an email address. But uh, hey, if you don't know what we just did here for Sam, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .net Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world, and every show we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But you have to sign up to win. And, uh, of course, we like to ask our guests, Dan, if you had $5,000 to spend on technology today, what would you buy? What would I buy? You know, I always struggle with this one because I, I like mm. to think I'm pretty content with yes. what, I'm, uh, what I got yeah. right now as I am, to be honest. Uh, if I had 5000 so there's a new uh, quadcopter out I saw that actually towed a surfer out, and then uh, he surfs back and tows him back out. <laughs> now that's probably more than five grand, but that counts as technology, right? <laughs> Definitely. I guess, so uh, yeah. I want one of those, man. I want one of those. It'll, it'll have me tow me up the mountain when I ski, you know, and then I just <laughs> go back down. That'd be awesome. <laughs> well, I can tell you the number of people who who say, "Can I put a deposit down on a Tesla?" You don't have to buy the whole thing. Uh, with the five grand, you can just get started with it. So it's totally reasonable. There you go. You could buy a there scale a scale model. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Remote control comes with it. Now I've got to find this quadcopter powerful enough to tow somebody. That's a big quad. <laughs> At some point, it's just a yeah. helicopter, you know? <laughs> Right. I, uh, a friend of mine just last night, actually, I was over at dinner with someone and, uh, he was telling me about it. I didn't see the video though. He had it, I think it's on YouTube or something. So I'm, he's like, yeah, it weighs, I think he said 50 pounds or something like that. So it's, it's a big one. You know, what would be cool is if you could water ski, you know, have something that would tow you as a, like a, oh, a parasailer awesome. and you could actually yeah. steer it from your hands. <laughs> <laughs> I think we call that a boat <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> well. i want something that's not touching the water richard come on oh, see, the, right. see the vision see the vision that carl has <laughs> i'm a visionary no i could see a vision of somebody <laughs> skipping across the water with an expensive piece of electronics flying ahead of him trying to kill him speaking <laughs> of skipping against the water the first time i went water skiing they didn't tell me, hey, if you fall, let go. That's an important piece of information. <laughs> That's a really simple fundamental thing you should learn before you go water skiing. Ask me how I know. <laughs> I was willing to hang on and road rash my face, of course, in the water. Water rash my face, for, you know, just because I didn't have the sense to let go. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, well. Genius. Genius. I know. So, where were we? Are we talking about web development? Yeah, we should talk about web we development. We were talking about web development. <laughs> oh, you know, I, I want to go back to your CSS thing because everybody loves CSS positioning. CSS you know, loves I mean, you back. Yeah. I mean, what, what I, I was actually thinking about stopping being a developer. I'm just going to, I'm going to be a counselor for nice. uh, people that need some help, you know, to sit down and go, I just can't get my freaking div to center. What do I do? That's <laughs> no, so true. You know, I mean, you can make a whole parody video on that. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, I, I, I didn't hear if it was mentioned, but one of the things I've been using lately, cause I'm kind of in the mode now with some apps, I'm working on a particular thing right now on the side. One of those, why I like to wake up, try to wake up early now type things. 
So I had to center a thing and ended up using the Flexbox, which is yeah. uh, now built into most of the browsers. And I don't know if that was in that code pen or whatever it was site you mentioned. No, but. he's basically doing position absolute top, right, bottom, and left and zero ah. and margin auto. So Flexbox, man, you could do that. What is it? Probably two or three CSS properties. Cool. Um, and center it. And it works freaking awesome. Now, granted, your browser has to support it, but, uh, pretty cool. And there's even some polyfill fallback scripts I've seen. Wow. That you can still write Flexbox, but the script will kick in for the older browsers, you know, to, uh, kind of fill in the gap. Sounds like a new Microsoft gaming device. Nice. Flexbox. Right. Yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> um, it's pretty nice, though. I, I did have to use it for real not that long ago. And I was like, wow, where was this, you know, after the center tag kind of died? But and this is not a this is not a library or anything. This is just built into CSS. It's just that people don't know about. Yeah. It. Yeah. In fact, the guy, uh, shoot, I know his name. But now that we're live, I don't. Uh, Chris. Uh, Chris Coyier. Yeah. 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 yeah CSS you. tricks. Yep. He has a really, in fact, I, that's my go-to. He's got a really nice, uh, CSS flex box. It's not really a tutorial. It's almost like a reference guide. Hmm. Yeah. He says, he called, and, uh, I just found the link to it. I'll include it in the show notes, the complete great. guide to flex box. Wow. Great. Yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome because uh, a lot of the properties, they're, they're easy once you read them, but then you find out there's two axes in the flex box world. You know, you got the horizontal and they don't, they don't call it the, I can't remember what they call it, but horizontal and vertical, basically. Yeah. And knowing which property applies to which axis is a little tricky sometimes. So I always just run off to that site and boom, problem solved. Well, that's, that's the thing that I like about XAML and I don't like about CSS is that it seems like in order to do something like, you know, center a div or center something, you've got <laughs> five or six properties that all have to be set a particular way together rather than, you know, one thing that uh, that you can set and remember, you know, you know, Carl, I just f did my final payment on my counseling from, <laughs> from Zaml to CSS. And now you're bringing back it all. So <laughs> now I can start all over. You're a therapist on speed dial. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm with you. With Zaml is so easy. And I, I have to admit, I totally missed that. Yeah. Uh, in the, when I switched to the web world projects and it's, it's a little more painful, but, Things like Flexbox, and there's even some other new options that aren't, uh, they're a little further out there from what I've seen on the specs, but they're going to make it look better. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, me too. Cause, yeah. uh, that's the labyrinth of pain. It's like, uh, you know, how many developers does it take to put a light bulb, you know, and you could probably get away with one, but how many developers does it take to vertically center a div? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> it takes a know, whole man. internet full of people. Pretty much, because if you don't have those references, like you mentioned this morning, you're yeah, screwed. Right. So, but definitely. yeah, anyway, in the web world, uh, things are definitely progressing nicely. In fact, that's the big buzzword these days, progressive web apps. Google's really pushing this with Chrome. I, bl um, I blame Bernie Sanders for that statement. Progressive web apps. <laughs> that's, that's that was what he ran on. More progressive web apps. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There yeah. you go. It is, it is a real thing. Um, yeah. pretty neat, but in, I'm not playing as much with that as definitely the Angular stuff. Uh, so here, here's my quick story for you though. So I have a, a developer that's working with me on this, uh, company project I'm doing. So this is one of those self-funded company projects, right? Yeah. That you hope goes well enough that your wife doesn't cut out the funding. But 
anyway, um, he uh, is pretty new to the world of Angular 2 and TypeScript. And so what I had him do originally was uh, just uh, I said, hey, just get a prototype going. I, yeah. I don't even care what you use. Use what you're comfortable with. But let's prove out this concept first, just quick and dirty. Like, yeah. I don't even care what it looks like code wise. So he did. And he kind of went the standard, just regular JavaScript. Um, we did jQuery, you know, stuff like that, because it was just super quick and dirty. So then I said, OK. You know, we proved out the concept, decided to move to phase two of this. And we went into uh, TypeScript, which he was brand new to, and Angular 2, which he's also brand new to. Yeah. So nothing like throwing him into the fire. But um, mm-hmm. so the, we were on Skype uh, last Thursday night. And uh, he goes, his name's Greg. And he says, so anyway, I, well, first off, I'm, I'm going too fast around my story. So okay. I, I took the prototype that he worked on and convert it over to just a shell framework in Angular 2 and TypeScript. And then uh, we walked through it Thursday night, and he, his response was, oh, my gosh, like, this is night and day better yeah. in the Angular 2 TypeScript world because he's like, there's so much less code. And I'm like, exactly. That's why right. we're going to do it this way. So that's one of the big things with Angular 2. There, you know, It's a pretty big change uh, from Angular 1 to Angular 2. And, uh, yeah, they have an NG upgrade path that you can take, but, you know, if you're going to be starting a greenfield new project, uh, I'm kind of at this point recommending, you know, you might as well just bite the bullet. ES6 has been officially out for over a year. Um, I think Chrome, I think it's like 98% support, not enough that you can just go pure ES6 yet, but with, you know, Babel, 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 whatever they call it. Right. Um, you can transpile it down or for me, I just go to TypeScript because it yeah. does, you know, the same type of transpilation. And yeah, there's a little bit of a learning curve there, but I'll tell you, once you get the hang of it, man, it's like, hmm. there's no going back. Yeah. It'd be the difference going from classic ASP to ASP.net with, you know, C sharp. I mean, pretty massive difference. And it's that's kind of how I view jumping in TypeScript. Yeah. Yeah, that's sort of been the claim to fame for Angular 2. It's just a lot less code, right? There's a lot more sort of assumed behaviors. You, it kind of gets out of your way. It was a pretty big jump for all of us, I think. But once you got the hang of it, it was kind of what I call a broken record. You know, you right. just, you, once you get the hang of it, you write that code and then you write the next page and it's the same. And, you know, you have different code you're calling, of course, but the overall pattern kind of stays with you. And that's really how Angular 2 is. It, it gives you a very prescribed, I guess you could say, way to build, for instance, a component to build a service to integrate those two together. And so that now, instead of having teams going off and do what I call cowboy coding, right? Yeah. Um, everybody does their own thing. Now you have a little more consistency, especially if you come up with a style guide and you know have some constraints up front to do all this. And it's it's pretty cool. So there is a bunch of planning you sort of want to do as a team on on certain approaches to to make consistent Angular code. Exactly. So, you know, in Angular 1, uh, there's three really popular style guides. John's is by far the most popular, I think. But um, you have some other folks out there that have some really nice style guides. And if you go to Angular.io, uh, John and a community is working on this together now. They actually have a style guide now. Now, it's oh, a little wow. bit early. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's already out. It's not going to have all the details yet because, you know, it's kind of hard to write some of the pieces of a style guide when you haven't built a massive enterprise app with it. But 
they do have some guidelines already at angler.io and a lot of good help docs. Ward Bell's involved with all that as well. And um, really, really, I think, good set of help docs and demos and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if your team sits down and, you know, versus, all right, let's go build the app. Right. <laughs> versus, hey, here's here's what we think are the best practices. And then, what you know, let everybody give feedback. This is what I've always done with with teams, whether it's contractor teams or team teams um, at a full-time job. Right. Is sit down and come up with, hey, you know, what what is the general world as a whole think the best practice is? What do we think of that? And then, you know, publish it. Back in the day, back in, gosh, it would have been 99, 2000 time frame. We would just publish, uh, gosh, that would have been classic ESP, I think. But we would just publish to like a, a shared or what do they call it? Not a share, a public folder. Public right, folder. They right. still have those in, yeah. in uh, exchange. You know, we would just publish there. Nowadays, I mean, some... Uh, companies put it up on GitHub, some put it on SharePoint, you know, just whatever you have, I guess, doesn't really matter. Yeah. And I'm looking through the, the sort of prototype style guide for Angular 2. And, and a lot of these are the sort of normal conventions you would expect, like, you know, keeping to a single task per file, you know, that there's nothing real voodoo here yet, but it's just being aware that the, all those same mistakes you can make in other programming languages, you can make in JavaScript and Angular 2. Well, I think in the JavaScript world, you can make it and make it even worse because uh, without a compiler, and that's why I like TypeScript, but yeah. you know, without a compiler behind you, you do those type of things. Before you know it, you followed some not so smart pattern and now the app is out and you're like, great, this is going to be fun to maintain. Sure. Problem is that it keeps working. This is the real issue with JavaScript. Yeah. You make this horrible mess. A compiler would have said, nope, <laughs> but a browser goes, I'll try. Yeah. But it silently fails too, doesn't it? It does silently fail. Most of the time. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah, right. you pretty much get away with murder in browsers. Like, ah, oh, it's cool. Yeah, <laughs> no know, Do whatever you want. That's fine. I don't care. We yeah. can make that work. That's fine. We'll find a way. <laughs> a little CSS too? Okay. Okay. Yeah, exactly. That's funny. Yeah, but getting back to the style stuff. So, you know, once a team has come up with whatever their approved style guide is, I do think there's a lot to be said about the consistency and the kind of predictability, maybe, is another word I can throw out there, of Angular 2. Because now it's really a, it's a framework. you got specific modules that have classes and interfaces and even abstract classes because uh, it's built on TypeScript, of course. And you literally are importing those just like you would do in a lot of other frameworks out there, especially I know some of the server side folks we've been working with a lot lately are like, hey, I might actually be able to do this, you know, because they've never (laughs) touched the client side world. Mm. And when they see the structure, and part of that's they just didn't want to. But part of it was JavaScript seems a little scary if you haven't done it before, because it just doesn't have that consistent structure until you learn some of the patterns. And then, of course, that's another learning curve to learn the JavaScript patterns and all that fun stuff. Um, So that's kind of what ES6 and TypeScript can bring to the games, a little more consistency, I think. So Angular is pretty much a client-side product, but how does uh, .NET Core play in besides the obvious performance boost and the ability to go anywhere? Yeah. Um, well, we talked about earlier, one of the nice things with any of these client-side frameworks is, you know, backend tends to now not really matter. It's yeah. like we were saying, kind of depends on what your team skills are. But let's assume it was 
C sharp and you wanted to move to core. Uh, I really like what they've done with core is consolidated, you know, everything from MVC controllers and web API controllers all into one. Yeah. And so now instead of having your kind of system web DLL stuff, which was pretty much MVC, and then right. you had your, uh, HTTP MVC stuff, which was web API, you know, all separate and you used to have API controller as your base class and controller for MVC controllers. Now it's all consolidated. Uh, so there's only one thing to learn. Yay. I mean, Yay. you can even mix. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot to be said for that actually. Yeah. Um, but you can mix, not that I would do this, but you can literally put MVC controller methods or actions in the same class as web API uh, controller actions. And that doesn't mean that's a good, there's not a really compelling reason I would do that. <laughs> I still like to have separation, mm. but it kind of proves that, yeah, they've now consolidated every, everything into one overall framework. And for me, it's super exciting because now, given that I've been doing a lot of Docker, as we mentioned, you know, I can stand up a ASP.NET Core uh, Web API RESTful type service literally in a matter of, if I already have the code ready to go, in a matter of uh, less than a minute. And I'm, wow. you know, up running and good to go. And, you know, give me another couple minutes and we could even move that up to Azure using mm -hmm. uh, some of the command line tools or Docker Cloud. Docker Cloud makes that really easy yeah. to move environments. And so is the host environment for the web page is Kestrel? Yeah, in that world. Yeah. Right. It's Kestrel. Uh-huh. Which is really cool. Uh the I don't know if you guys have ever seen some of the stand-up meetings that um Scott Hanselman and Damien yeah. and oh, yeah. uh John and you know, those guys are yep. pretty consistent about having them every week. And I'd have to look up the episode they did, but one of them was, uh, I think it was Damien, if I remember right, showed off some of the benchmark performance characteristics of Kestrel. Yeah, they're through the roof. Yeah, it was pretty impressive. Well, they, they put a concerted effort into getting serious numbers there. You know? Yeah. And it, it clearly yep. it's paid off. Yep. Yeah. And that's, uh, it's, it's nice because for someone that does have a little bit of a background in Node, and maybe they did move to Node for whatever reason because they wanted to move on any platform and stuff like that. Well, now, if you did already also have C-sharp experience, Kestrel kind of works in a very similar manner. So, you'll typically stand up a, you know, a proxy mm. server. Uh, I, you guys can tell me, is it HA proxy or hub proxy? I never, I need to find someone that knows how to pronounce it. But, and then Nginx, you know, is another one. Yeah. And you can stand that up on front of it and then have whether it's Docker or some other approach, you can scale those out very nicely. And uh, that way, if one of the processes does go down, you know, no harm, no foul, um, your routing can just pick up the other ones that are running. So it's pretty cool stuff that way. It's very much like Node kind of does it from a high level. Right. Well, yeah. you know, I have nothing bad to say about IIS per se, uh, having, I think it bought me a house actually, but, uh, it was the one of the original web servers, just like Apache. It we were still trying to figure out what the web was about, and, it, and I look always look at it as a point of view of uh, it's a Swiss Army knife, but all the blades are out. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> Everything's on by default. It does a lot of stuff under the hood. It doesn't necessarily tell you what it's up to because we didn't know better at the time. And maintaining backward compatibility with that behavior means it doesn't matter how many versions you make, it still sort of has that effect. So just uncoup that 
Kestrel was just an opportunity to uncouple from that and go and think much more notish. What's the minimum yep. things we need? Only turn on what you want. It's all coded configuration. It, that, that, that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the the middleware concept, um, which Node and even other servers before that kind of made really, really popular. Right. Um, you know, Core embraces that very heavily. And it's pretty cool that, you know, if you want to, I don't know, have an authentication uh, middleware piece that, you know, kind of like the modules of old, right? We could still do this with uh, MVC. You can do modules or filters or web forms, you know. But now it's even easier and speed's even better because now it's just part of the actual, this is how it works. Right. Um, and so let's say you wanted to throw in, I, I don't know, you got to throw in a bearer token for some authentication type thing. And, you know, you don't want to have to do that in every set the header in every controller action. So you just write a middleware piece that automates that for you. Mm-hmm. And maybe you want to do logging of every request for audit logs. You know, that's just a middleware piece. And again, you could do this with, you know, the older uh, web forms and MVC5 and stuff like that. Yeah. A little bit different way. But the middleware makes it a lot smoother. And now it's very discoverable. It's very aspect-like, you know, that you just sort of... Yep. This is where these aspects are going to be applied across this application to yep. have these capabilities made. And it's isolated. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like you just, you know, you can crack open startup uh, CS and just right there, get a really good fill in the configure section for, hey, here's what's happening. Right. Versus having to go look in web config, go over here, go over here, you know, yeah. to figure out what's going on. So much easier. That's so pretty nice. Let's just, yeah. just rethink of these are all the things we're going to be concerned about. So let's put them in one place. Yep. As opposed to we, we sort of discovered this along the way with these older tools and they ended up being scattered all over the place. Yeah. And that when it comes to maintenance, which pretty much every company that you talk with, you know, they care about long-term maintenance, of course. That's where it ends. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's what it's all about. And having that discoverability factor is a good thing. Uh, Angular has a new, Angular 2 has a new thing as well that's sort of related. Uh, they have a new NG module, it's called. They introduced in, I think it was RC5, if I remember right. It's kind of similar concept where for a given feature, you'll define all the stuff that feature needs in one place. Right. And that way you don't have to go digging through a bunch of files to figure out what's supported and what's not. Or yeah. scattered, so awesome. scattered in the code, right? Now it's in a configured yeah. location. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's going to be a good thing uh, for maintenance, for reuse. Um, and going back to your original question though. So yeah, core can absolutely be used. Um, in fact, I just finished up a sample for a talk I have to give soon on using Docker core and angular two together. And the cool thing is, I mean, you could, like I said, stand up the core stuff, not production ready. I'm talking about just a quick and dirty, get a restful service going super fast. Yeah. Um, whether you're on a Mac, whether you're on Windows, it doesn't matter, or Linux even for that matter. And then with uh, Angular, you know, now it's just a matter of using the HTTP object and they have something called observables that allow you think of them as much more sophisticated I hate to say promises because they are very different, but yeah. um, allow for asynchronous processing of calls to these RESTful services, which is really cool. So, Dan, what's next for you besides uh, Dev Intersection? What are, what all are you doing there? Are you doing the workshop and you're doing some more talks? What's what's What else is going on there? Uh, let me think. Yeah, John and I are doing two workshops, TypeScript and uh, Angular 
two. Yeah, we're not doing that's right. The ASP ASP.net, ASP.net team. We've done a workshop on ASP.net core. I'm trying to remember to get my conferences straight here. Mm-hmm. For Vegas. Uh the the ASP.net team is actually going to be doing that one, which is I mean, how cool is that? Actually get the team, you know, doing it. Um, but then in uh, Amsterdam for Dev Intersection Europe, I'll be doing uh, Angular 2 and ASP.NET Core, which is not as cool because I'm not the team. But, yeah. hey, um, it'll still be awesome, hopefully. Awesome. And then, yeah, giving some talks um, there as well and uh, doing those types of things. What, what are you talking about? I think this this particular one is all Angular 2, I believe. Yeah. Um, John and I team up a lot. Yeah, and so John I think Papa. we're teaming up on, yeah, John Papa, um, teaming up on, I think three talks or something like that. Dev Intersection Europe. I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> Richard may remember. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it's all a blur to me too, man. Yeah, so I don't many remember, times. but anyway. Well, if you haven't signed up for Dev Intersection, now's the time. Devintersection.com. Come hang out with us and we're going to learn a lot and have fun too. It's fun. Yeah, yeah it's fun. All right, Dan, thanks for talking to us. It's been great. It's always great. I always learn something, and um, I'm sure everybody else did too. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. You bet. We'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got